We do indeed need the Lord every day and every step of the race of faith. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, Paul gives us some instructions on how to run this race of faith. And that's where we're going to be this morning. So if you want to open your Bible and follow along, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12, 13, and 14. And as we look at these verses this morning, I want you to pay careful attention to the word reaching in verse 13, as that will be the focus of the sermon today, reach. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, God's word says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Again, today we're focusing on that word reach in this passage. And here's what I want you to get out of this sermon today. Press on in the faith by reaching for what is ahead. Press on in the faith by reaching for what is ahead. As I define and describe what it means to spiritually reach forward to those things which are ahead, I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I reaching forward to the things that lie ahead? Will I press on in the faith by reaching towards those things that are ahead? What does this word reach mean in Philippians 3, 13? The Apostle Paul, who wrote these words, had in mind a person running a race. In Paul's day and time, the Greek games were prevalent and people would actually run foot races as a display of strength and speed. Kenneth Woost, a Bible scholar, said that the words reaching forward are from an ancient Greek athletic term which describes the runner whose eye outstrips and draws onward the hand and the foot. The word means to stretch forth after something. Cleon Rogers, another Bible scholar, said that it means to stretch oneself out for or toward. He noted that this metaphor is from the foot race. The word pictures the body of the racer bent forward, his hand outstretched towards the goal, and his eyes fastened upon it. This word picture Reach provides us with three principles for reaching forward in the race of faith. First, I want you to notice this principle. The first starting reach. The first starting reach. A former Canadian Olympic athlete named Ian Warner wrote this about running. I'm not a runner, so I had to appeal to the experts, okay? He said this. The most important thing 
I've learned about speed is that you run on your legs with your arms. You run on your legs with your arms. He said this, your legs are the muscles that get you where you want to go, but it's the arms that control a lot of what the legs do. He went on to say this, the arms are also a key component in accelerating fast. If you ignore them, your acceleration will seriously suffer. If your arms don't do the right thing on that very first step, you have a lot of room to improve your acceleration. He wrote this, and I tried this in the church office this week. I'm glad Kim and Bryson weren't looking. He said, if you do not think that you run with the arms on the legs, then try to run with your legs without moving your arms. He said that uh, the legs will move forward, but it won't feel right. And it certainly won't feel fast. To achieve greater levels of speed, you need to start thinking of your arms as a weapon. And so I thought about it. And I thought, you know, this guy's right. And so I, you know, I kind of got down. We got a pretty long hallway in the church office. I got down and I, I just had some fun. Can I show you what it looked like? Nobody else has seen this except for the Lord. You want to see? I've got on dress shoes this morning too, so it might be even more awkward. I, I mean, I tried my best. You know, I got down and you guys want to count it off for me? Three, two, one, go. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't look right, I can assure you. I want to share this with you, though. In the spiritual race of faith, we can make the same kind of mistake that a runner who doesn't know what he's doing might make when he starts off and doesn't use his arms. You know, I, I shared with you that I'm not a, a runner. I really am not. Um, I attempted it one time. And uh, it was miserable. I want to share with you that experience real quick. Um, I had gone with John Householder and Adam Staples. They're runners, okay? And they're, they're training for a half marathon at this point. And I ran a mile and thought, yeah, I'm good. I'll go run with these guys. Well, Jake, we're, we're running up in the hills in Blackrock tomorrow. It's going to be a long run. I said, okay, I, I, I'm in. I didn't ask how long it was. And we keep running. And we keep running, and we keep running. And I'm thinking, man, this is never going to end. And I mean, I, I'm taking off as fast as I can. And we're getting towards the end point of this run that they had planned out. And Adam's, Adam Staples, I'm in the back. I mean, I've been in the back a good while. I'm just, I'm just trying my best to keep up. Adam knows I'm struggling. He falls back, and he says, Jake, pump your arms. Guys, if he would have told me that like a long time before, I think I'd have been okay. But I'm, I, it was incredible. I started pumping my arms, like reaching out forward with my arms, and it just carried me through to the end of the run. And I was like, man, guys, this half marathon thing, whoo, 13.1 miles. I got that right, Brody. Brody's a runner too. That was, that was a lot. And they're like, well, good. That wasn't 13.1 miles. That was like, yeah. Seven, eight. I'm thinking, oh man, uh-uh. I'm out. I'm done. But I'm telling you, the, the difference that it made reaching forward with my arms was incredible to experience. When we're running the race of faith, sometimes we make the same problem in the spiritual realm as runners that don't know to pump their arms make. 
It's a mistake that we make when we start doing things for God in our own strength and power instead of beginning by reaching forward in faith. You cannot be a Christian by acting like Christ. I want you to hear me and understand this. If all you think you need to do is just try harder and do better, don't tell lies and do more good works, you're never going to be a Christian. Being a Christian is not about doing more good works or doing a bunch of good deeds or being a nice person or figuring it all out on your own. Being a Christian is reaching out in faith to Christ and saying, I can't do this, but I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and I believe you rose again. I'm going to give my life to you as Lord and I'm reaching out in faith. And when you come to that point, that's when you become a Christian. You don't become a Christian by doing good or being better. Righteousness, holiness, good works, those are not the ways to Christ. Christ is the way to holiness and righteousness and good works. You understand? I mean, think about it this way. We cannot do more good works to start the race. We must reach out in faith, and then the good works will follow. We must reach out in faith, then the good works will follow. But not only do some people just get it wrong when it comes to the Christian life and beginning the Christian life, Some Christians get it wrong after they've already begun this race of faith. Paul says that we are to walk with Christ Jesus in the same way that we received Him. We received Jesus Christ by grace through faith. And in our ongoing daily walk, we've got to keep walking in grace through faith. You can't grow as a Christian in your own strength and power. You have to depend upon God's grace and reach out for it in faith, and then you're able to press on. Don't start doing something for God on your own two feet. Start crouched in prayer, and you'll burst out of the blocks with real spiritual power. Too many times we as Christians go, okay, God, I need to make disciples of all the nations. So I'm just going to go and I'm just going to do it without ever praying. God, would you show me who needs to hear about Jesus in my life today? Would you give me the words to say as I bear witness to Christ? God, would you help me depend upon you for the wisdom and strength that I need? It's like running with your arms tucked behind you. It doesn't work. We are to press on in the faith by reaching for what is ahead. That first starting reach, whether it's you coming to Christ for the first time, or whether it's you doing something God has called you to do, must be a reach of faith. That's your first move. It's not going in your own strength and power. It's reaching out for God's strength and power and pursuing Him wholeheartedly. Does that make sense? Press on in the faith by reaching for what is ahead. As we continue to run the race of faith, we need to keep reaching. This is the second principle of this word picture. Not only do we see the first starting reach, but we also see the forward stretching reach. One of the most exciting Olympic races to watch 
is the four by 100 meter relay. Uh, Olympic Games will be on this summer, right? Over is it Los Angeles this year? Anybody know? You guys ought to check it out sometime. Watch the four by 100 uh, meter relay. It, it, it's really neat. They've, uh, they've got something called the baton. You guys seen this before? Seen something like it? A running coach by the name of Gerard Mach, and I thought, this guy has to know something about being fast. Mach speed, right? So I, I got some information from him about the 4 by 100 meter relay. He said the fastest runners in the world will be ineffective as a relay team if they are unable to efficiently exchange the baton. Do you hear that? The fastest runners in the world will be ineffective as a relay team if they're unable to efficiently exchange the baton. Here's the thing about the race of faith in the Christian life. It's not just you running a solo race. You've got to pass on the baton of faith to people that are coming after you. There's a, a couple of strategies that are well known to relay runners and coaches. And Coach Mock wrote about these couple of techniques of passing on the baton. There was actually a group in Poland that conducted a special research project for a few decades about what was the most effective way to pass a baton on to their teammates. And so they came up with a technique called the upsweep pass. And the Polish women's Olympic team in the 1968 Olympics was using this tactic, this technique to pass the baton on to their teammates, the upsweep pass. But the problem with this technique was every time a pass was made, the area to grip the baton grew shorter and shorter and shorter. And so by the time the anchor runner for this women's Polish Olympic team began to take the baton and run, the baton is slipping out of her hand. It looked like this Polish women's Olympic team was about to set a new world record. But instead, the anchor runner, the final one of that race, dropped the baton on the ground. And you know what happened? They were out. Disqualified. Even their fastest time didn't count because they dropped the baton. And so after that, they came up with a new technique. The technique is called the push-forward pass. And Gerard Mock went on to explain exactly what that looks like. You can find a YouTube video sometime if you're really bored, and you want to watch how this push-forward pass works. But the way basically that it works is that it puts the runner in the most natural position to both give the baton and to receive the baton. And here's what Coach Mock notes about this push-forward pass. When compared with all other known relay pass techniques, the push-forward pass seems the most simple and natural. It is in harmony with the principles of good sprinting technique, has the advantages of the upsweep pass without the risk, and maximizes the free space gained in each exchange, and maximizes the speed of the baton exchange in the exchange zone. In the race of faith, we have to learn how to reach forward to pass on the baton of faith. Paul, the apostle, knew this all too well. 
You know, Paul knew that as a Christian, he was not always going to be alive on the face of this earth. So do you know what he spent his time, his life, his ministry doing? Passing on the faith to other people. You remember a guy named Timothy? Paul met him, said, hey, dude, come with me. Taught him how to preach the gospel. Taught him how to follow Jesus. Taught him how to live his life so that he could then pass on that same faith to others. Paul, everywhere he went, shared the gospel with people so that they could be saved. Paul knew that the Christian life wasn't just about him being saved, but everybody around him who didn't know Christ needed to be saved too. He passed on the baton of faith. Here's what Paul wrote over in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. He said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Did you hear that? From faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Let me show you again just so you can get it in your minds. Here you go. You ready? The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. See how that works? You pass the baton. I'm going to pick on Ethan this morning. From faith to faith. You got it? Here's reality. None of you in this room who are Christians became a Christian without somebody else telling you about Christ. They passed the baton to you. You've got to pass on the baton to other people. Had something really interesting happen to me this week. I was studying in my office Thursday morning and uh, getting ready to preach, getting ready for a Sunday evening devotion that we're probably not going to have because of the weather tonight. But I learned some stuff anyways. And while I was sitting there in my office Thursday morning, uh, the phone rang. Kim Nunley, our uh, office assistant, answered and she came to me and said, uh, Jake, there's a lady on the phone from Lawrence Hall uh, Nursing Home. And she said that there's a man out there that's requested a Baptist pastor to come by and visit him. Do you want to talk to her? I said, yeah. And so I, I grabbed the phone and, and talked to her. She t gave me the man's name and told me what room he was in. And uh, I told her I'd, I'd come visit him. So after lunch, I went out to the nursing home and uh, walked in the room, introduced myself. Hey, I'm, I'm Jake. I'm the pastor at First Baptist in Walnut Ridge. And the man said, well, thank you so much for coming. I said, yes, sir. I'm, I'm glad to be here. We got a phone call at the office this morning that said you wanted to speak with a Baptist pastor. So I just wanted to come and, and, uh, and talk to you. And here's what the guy said. He said, well, I don't really know what I want to talk about. But I, I want to be saved. But I don't know how to be. I said, man, I got good news. I know how to be saved, and I can tell you how to be saved, and you can be saved right now. And so you know what I did? I didn't preach a 45-minute-long 45 45 sermon. I just went through those simple verses that many of you know. We call the Romans Road. In fact, if you don't know these verses, you can write these down and memorize them. It won't take you long. There's just four different chapters in Romans. You know how they say that all roads lead to Rome? Well, the Roman road leads to Jesus. And here's those verses. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says that, the, uh, that all people have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In other words, we've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. 
So I'm talking to him, and yep, I I messed up. I made mistakes. The next verse is Romans chapter 6, verse 23. It says that the wages of sin is death. That's the reward we receive for the bad works we do. That's the paycheck, which is also the punishment. The wages of sin is death. But that verse goes on to say, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible's right about two things. Even atheists can't deny this. Everybody sins and everybody dies. They can't argue with that. I mean, it's just the truth, isn't it? He agreed with me. Everybody sins, everybody dies. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, we can't get to God on our own. We can't forgive ourselves of our sins before a holy God. We can't earn a way into heaven. We can't save ourselves. So God sent His Son Jesus from heaven to earth. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 is that next verse. But God demonstrated His love for us in this way, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I said, man, look, if you want to be saved, you can't save yourself, but Jesus can save you. He came to this earth and lived a perfect life. He didn't deserve to die because He never sinned. When He died on the cross, He was dying for our sins, for yours and mine, for the sins of the world. And if you want to receive that free gift of eternal life, if you want to know the love that God has for you, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 put it this way. If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, it means you give your life to Him. He becomes the master of your life. You put Him in charge. If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and if you'll believe in your heart that God raised His Son Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, a person believes, and that results in righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. And then I shared within that last verse, out of Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I said, do you want to be saved? Yeah. Let's talk to God. And we did. The man gave his life to Jesus. He's reading Mark chapter 1. I'm going to go visit him this next week and follow up with him. He was sending his uh, daughter a text message to let her know that he'd gotten saved. And he was about to tell one of his friends that works in the nursing home that he'd gotten saved too. So he started the race of faith and he's going to keep running it. He's already passing that baton of faith on to his daughter and a worker there in the nursing home. Isn't that wonderful? That's just how it works. It's simple and natural. We try to complicate it a lot of times. But the righteousness of God is just revealed from faith to faith. Just pass on the baton. Memorize the Romans road. Walk people down the road to Jesus. Not only do we need to point people to Jesus and help them come to know Christ, but we need to help them grow in Christ as well. You know, we're not just told to go and make converts of all the nations, are we? We're told to go and make disciples. A disciple is a follower of Jesus. After a person begins to follow Jesus, Jesus went on to say, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And sometimes we get this mixed up and messed up too, don't we? We're like, man, how do I make a disciple? 
Here's some simple and natural instruction for you out of God's Word. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Write that one down. 2 Timothy chapter 2, at verse 2. Paul was talking to his protege in the faith, Timothy, somebody that he had taught and trained to grow in Christ. And here's what he said. The things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. 2 Timothy 2.2. If you can remember 2.2.2, you got it. What did Paul say to Timothy? Timothy, what you learned from me, pass those on to other people. I remember preaching at the uh, Baptist Collegiate Ministries over at Memphis University a few years ago. And I ran into one of my professor's sons from seminary, uh, Paul Kilpatrick. Dr. Kilpatrick is the, uh, the greatest Old Testament scholar personally that I know. Just a brilliant man. And Paul and I got to talking after this uh, worship service at, at Memphis. And he was telling me that he was mentoring some students that were there that night at the worship service. And I thought, man, I'm about to get the secret of discipleship and mentoring from Dr. Kilpatrick's son. I could be one thing to learn from Dr. Kilpatrick. I hear from him all the time in class. But I guarantee you his son knows how discipleship works because he's learned from his dad and he's helping all of these students that are in this room that he's brought to faith in Christ grow in their walk with the Lord. And I thought, here, it's going to be this wonderful secret of discipleship and how to help people grow in their faith. And you know what Paul told me? He said this, I'm just sharing with them what God's taught me. It's not that difficult, is it? From faith to faith, I'm just sharing with them what God's taught me. Listen, if you're growing in your relationship with the Lord and in your faith in Christ, write those things down. Tell people lessons that God has taught you. You'll teach them to observe everything that God's commanded you. It'll be wonderful to just see and experience God working through your life as you pass on the baton of faith to others. We need to press on in the faith by reaching for what is ahead. Hand the baton of faith off simply and naturally. Don't complicate it. Not only do we need to start the race with faith, not only do we need to continue the race by reaching forward with the faith and handing off the baton to others, but we also need to complete the race of faith by reaching forward with faith. This is the third principle. The final straining reach. When a runner nears the end of the race, he must release all remaining energy and cross the finish line having given all that he's got. A good runner who does well does not just run to the finish line. He runs through the finish line. I told you I'm, I'm not a runner, but there's one time in my life I knew to run, and it was when I was playing baseball. Derek Bramlett, from his baseball coaching years, can attest to this. And man, I, I don't know, I, I feel like I pummeled it in these little leaguers that I've that I've coach the last two years and maybe one or two of them finally get it right you're standing in the batter's box and you hit the ball you know what the just the the natural instinct for some reason for most kids is they hit the ball and they run to first base can I show you what that looks like I've already embarrassed myself once might as well do it again here's here's what they do they run to first base they slow down and stop Guys, when you play baseball, 
you can't just run to first base. You've got to run through first base. Because if you don't run through first base, and you've hit a ground ball to the infield, buddy, you're going to get thrown out. When we run the race of faith, we've got to learn not just to run to the finish line, but to run through the finish line. Let me tell you what happens a lot of times in the Christian life. We see a goal set before us. And instead of running through that goal and continuing to pursue what God has put in front of us, we run to that goal and we slow down and we stop. Hebrews chapter 6 verses 11 and 12 says this, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end, that you do not become sluggish or lazy, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. How you finish your race will set an example for how others start and run their race. We'll pick on some of the older Christians in the room. How you finish your race will set an example for how others start and run their race. I was sitting with Miss Debbie Rogers last Sunday night at the Black River Baptist Evangelism Conference at Mount Vernon Baptist Church. We were listening to Larry Melikew preach, and he said, if, God, if you are not dead, God is not done. Debbie wrote it down. And I thought, man, this, this is good stuff. That's not the first time I've heard that, but I think you need to hear it. If you are not dead, God is not done with your life. Say, Jake, I don't even want to think about running anymore. But don't you care about how others behind you are going to run their race? Your kids, your grandkids, those in the youth group, young pastors like me, the next generation who's coming up and going to follow Christ. Picture a runner leaning into that finish tape Reaching forward with his whole body. Isn't that fun to see at the end of those races? That's when it's okay to throw your hands behind you. Because you're reaching forward with your whole body, giving everything that you have to cross that finish line and run through it a winner. Picture a runner running through first base. Or if you don't like baseball, you're weird and you like football. Picture that wide receiver leaping into the end zone. If you're not dead, then God is not done with you. I can remember going to visit Miss Bonnie Moore in Lawrence Hall Nursing Home. And I would go to see her, and she would tell me a lot of, the, a lot of times the same stories that I had heard. Miss Bonnie Moore is a faithful church member here at First Baptist Walnut Ridge for a number of years. In fact, there's a set, I, I can't remember the exact number, but it's, it's about 17 Sunday school pins. And they're all strung in a row. If you don't know what that is... Uh, that was for perfect attendance. If you attended Sunday school, every Sunday for a year, you got an attendance pin. And you could pin them on your, your jacket if you were a guy, or your blouse if you were a girl. She had set like 17 years in a row, perfect attendance Sunday school. They're back there in one of the bookshelves in the historical hallway. It's kind of neat. Faithful church member. She got to the point where she was out at the nursing home and she couldn't come here on Sunday mornings anymore. Wasn't able to drive in fact, she got to the point that she really wasn't able to get up and move around a whole lot. 
before that, she had a walker that she called her Cadillac. And one of her kids had got one of those little Cadillac emblems and stuck it on the, the front of the walker. It was pretty neat. But I remember going to visit Miss Bonnie. And I tried my best. You know, anytime I'd go see somebody in the hospital or the nursing home, I'd try my best to be an encouragement to them. It was amazing. I'd go see Miss Bonnie, and I didn't encourage her. She encouraged me. And she, she would say something like this just about every time I went to go see her. She would say something like, you know, Pastor, I kind of wonder sometimes why I'm still here. But then I think God must still have a plan and a purpose for my life. And so I try my best to encourage all these workers that take such good care of me. You know, I have to take care of a lot of hurting people and a lot of people worse off than I am. And I can't imagine everything they go through. So I just speak kind words to them. And I pray for them, and I tell them that God loves them. Isn't that amazing? God has a plan and a purpose for our lives every step of the way, even through the finish line. Press on in the faith by reaching for what is ahead. I want to ask you this morning, are you pressing on in the faith by reaching for what's ahead? Are you really? Are you taking that step of faith? Are you reaching out in faith? Not doing stuff in your own strength and power, but depending upon God. Reaching forward in faith. Are you passing on the baton of faith? Sharing the gospel with others. Teaching others who have chosen to follow Jesus what it means to walk step by step with Him. Some of you are closer to the finish line than you are the starting line in your Christian faith. Are you running through the finish line? Or are you just going to limp towards it? How you finish your race is how others are going to start and continue their race. Run it. Reach forward. Watch what God will do. I ask you if you would to bow your heads and close your eyes. In just a moment, there's going to be a song of invitation. As this song is played this morning... I want to invite you to respond to God as He spoke into your heart today. Maybe you're here and you have never started the race of faith because you've never come to faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible puts it simply and plainly. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We can't get to Him on our own. The punishment of our sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God demonstrated His love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you'll believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and if you'll believe that He rose again, the Bible says if you will call upon Him in faith as Lord, He'll save you. If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. If that's you and you're here this morning, when this song is played, I want to ask you to stand up and walk right down here towards me and just say, Jake, I want to trust Jesus today. I want to be saved. He'll save you right here and right now. Maybe God has spoken to your heart in some other way this morning. And maybe you just need to come to the altar and pray. Maybe you've been doing a lot of stuff in your own strength and power, not starting with prayer and faith.
Maybe before you go and launch your week this week, doing whatever you're going to have to do, you need to get down here on your knees and start in that crouching position of faith and get up and go do in God's power what He's called you to do. Maybe there's somebody you need to pray for because they need to know Jesus or somebody you need to pray for because you need to mentor them or disciple them. Maybe you're nearing the finish line and you know it and you want to finish the race well. Would you ask God to give you the strength to run through the finish line and not just to it? I'll be standing down here in the front if you need to speak with me. If I can pray for you anyway, I'd love to. This altar is open for you to come to God and kneel in prayer and talk to Him. Father God, I pray now that you would continue to work in hearts and in lives. God, I pray as you spoke into hearts this morning that your people would respond. It's in the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.